It is easy for worship leaders to feel alone. There is tremendous pressure on us each week to perform, to lead, and to help direct an amazing experience of worship and connection to God. But it's so overwhelming. There's no place to go to talk through these unique challenges worship leaders face. Welcome to the table. Hey guys, welcome to the next episode of The Table. My name is Jason Squires, and this is our men- our monthly mentor, almost said monthly, men- mon- monthly mentor <laughs> coffee chat, uh, and uh, just kind of get to hang out with, with, with these guys. And if you've been listening to the podcast for any length of time, you know that at the end of the month, we kind of wrap up that topic for the month. And so uh, this month, we're talking about worship leaders and tech teams and kind of that relationship. But before we jump into the content, let's kind of go around and, and uh, see who's who's with us today. Uh, Tim, why don't you kick us off? Hey, my name is Tim Tibbles. I am the Worship and Creative Arts uh, Minister at First Church in Owasso, a little suburb outside of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Been leading worship for 25 years, and I'm in a season of life now where I'm trying to teach uh, other younger worship leaders how to do what I've been doing for this long. I love it. I love it. How about you, Grant? G'day, everybody. My name is Grant Norsworthy. I'm actually beaming into this podcast from New Zealand, where I live, although I did live in the United States for 17 years, and I'm originally from Australia. And I head up a thing called More Than Music Mentor, which provides online and on-site training for the heart and the art of worshipping musicians. You can find out more about that at morethanmusicmentor.com. And uh, do you want me to to add this a little bit here, Jason? More more yeah, than you, music. Could you give the American translation it's of all more that? Than, it's more than music mentor. That's what, if you're curious right. what that, uh, yeah, yeah, more in, than music in case mentor. You, in case you couldn't catch my abuse of the letter R. Ah, <laughs> R. And you're in, you're in the spring talking to those of us in the fall because you guys that, are in the a Yeah, those area. in the Northern Hemisphere are in the fall, which we would call the autumn. But yeah, here I am in the spring heading towards summer. And we're talking to you in the spring going to the summer. It's very confusing. It's very yeah. confusing. It's very it's awesome. It's awesome. So, so, is, so is life. So anyway. That's right. How about yeah. you, Amber? Hi, uh, my name is Amber Pierce. I am from Dallas, Texas, and I'm a worship leader at Gateway Church. I've been there for 17, almost 18 years, and uh, I'm the founder of The Worship Life, which is a ministry where we travel uh, internationally and do in-person workshops and also online content, just imparting um, into worship leaders and worship teams all over the world and just being a support and a resource for them. So excited to be here. I love it. I love it. And you though, I mean, we're on a, we're on a zoom call. I got a, I got a Thanksgiving day background. You have a Christmas background. We got, it's all the seasons, all the, all the holidays, all the things going on here. <laughs> That's right. That's <laughs> amazing. I love this. I love this. Hey, so this month we've been talking about worship leaders and tech teams, creatives and linear thinkers working together and working together in a room and people who are uh, a lot of people that think differently. How do they interact? How do we, how do we work together? How do you lead that? Um, And the first question I wanted to pose to you guys was um, one of the things that is, can be like some tension can build is if you don't have protocols on Sunday mornings on how to, how to do things, how to set up things. And one of those things is sound check. Um, Sound checks can be a little chaotic. And because you're up on stage, there's the tech teams are out in the booth, you know, dialoguing back and forth. People are talking, musicians are trying to play. And, you know, there's there's someone trying to maybe mix and get line and checking lines and signals. What are some strategies you guys have found to develop a sound check protocol? And do you guys have that? 
um, I know, um, and Grant, you know, I know you, you, you go into a new church every week, just like I do. So they, you, you have <laughs> yeah. to kind of like assemble, like, like roll into their protocol, but maybe Matt, why do you kick us off with that and kind of how that can be beneficial? Yeah, soundcheck. Uh, actually, for me, if I if I can be so bold to say this, that you described soundchecks as chaotic. They are not for me. They are highly structured, yes, and very very organised. And um, it's actually amazing to me. There's a, if we can take a step back, because I I believe the soundcheck is an essential part of our preparation for what we're going to do typically typically on a Sunday morning with music. But a lot of our team think we're there to make sound. Right. Oh, yeah. I'm rostered to play bass. I'm rostered to mix. I make sound. But actually, we have to establish this thought that we are actually there to listen first. We have to listen. And if we don't have a good sound check, we can't listen. So, like a lot of the problems I encounter with teams that I'm trying to help them with, um, you know, a lot of them sort of start to solve themselves with a good sound check. And the beautiful thing about a sound check is it makes us realize, oh, I'm here to listen. And another thing that it really reinforces is the essential uh, nature of the partnership between technicians and the instrumentalists and singers. We have to work together. So uh, the best thing I've found uh, to help technicians and the instrumentalists and singers realize they're on the same team is to, to define for them the same goal. We definitely want God to be worshipped through what we do with music on a Sunday morning or as part of the gathering. But the humanly observable goal we're looking for is to have the congregation singing together. And if we have that agreed goal, then it inspires us, I think, to be ready to take on a protocol for soundcheck. Um, I could describe you mine. It might take a couple of minutes, but I'll just very quickly say we need to have the person who's in charge, the musically direct musical director typically, which is sometimes the person that we call the worship leader, but sometimes it's the keyboard player, sometimes it's the bassist, sometimes it's somebody else. It may not be the person who is uh, actually inviting the congregation to worship God by singing these songs. So we need to have that defined musical director role. And I wouldn't mind being the four of us feel able to lead a congregation to sing worshipfully as well as be the musical director, but that's not always the case. Yeah. You've got to find the right person who knows how to, with a smile on their face and always with, with a good nature, but, all, but be firm because a lot of uh, our team are quite unruly, you know, <laughs> and, <laughs> And uh, the reason why sound checks are often chaotic, chaotic is people are they're trying to mix a practice with a rehearsal, with catching up with each other, with a, a with a, a line check, with a sound check. All these things end up being overlapped, and it's very very messy. So a sound check is simply uh, and and mo most simply, and it, I could explain more about it. But you need to have that musical director communicating directly with the the head of audio, whoever that is. Um, and coordinating this isolation of each sound source. Each microphone needs to be heard in isolation. Um, each DI needs to be heard in isolation. Each drum, what, wherever, what are we doing, needs to be heard in isolation. Then we, we bring all those uh, sounds together once they've been adjusted in monitors and front of house. And uh, I'm doing this with a lot of hand signals, a lot of clear, uh, kind, but direct instruction. Just this microphone, thank you. Moving on, just this microphone, thank you. Move on, just the bass guitar, thank you. Now, just this keyboard, thank you. And moving around, getting all those adjustments done, then playing a song or at least a chorus of a song that we know well, quite loud, you know, a louder song. Actually, loud is the wrong word to use for music in churches. Let's say a more strong. robust, up-tempo, yeah. strong chorus. Stop that chorus. Any adjustments? Yeah, my, my voice is actually a little louder than I, I, I realised I need it to be. So let's bring it down. Great. Adjustments. Play that chorus one more time. And then we need to officially say sound check is over. 
And uh, that partnership between technicians and musicians uh, is essential for an effective sound check. I love it. I love it. And I love that you're, you approach that from listening first and then, and then, and then also uh, stating what the time is. Like this is a sound check time. This is not the beginning of rehearsal. This is not beginning of like, actually yeah. stating it. Um, yeah, yeah, I love and it. I'm, and I'm really clear with this. While we are sound check, no one can be noodling. No one can be chatting. It's absolutely focused. And I've actually found that the sort of musicians and singers and technicians you want in your team love that structure. They love that clear leadership. The person who's like resistant and wants to keep, you know, playing eruption from Van Halen on their guitar while you're trying to check the vocals, you actually really don't want them on your team, to be honest. <laughs> you know, if, they, if they're like, no, I, I'm going to be my own boss and I'm going to do what I want to do. But I found that most people love that structure. But you've got to have a couple of thoughts in mind. We are not here to mix our monitors, especially if, if these are shared monitors. And a lot of, today a lot of churches have people mixing their own in-ears. Yeah with a phone or whatever, and that's fine. But even if that's the case, we've got to be saying, you don't need to hear just yourself. You need to just hear yourself. This little mantra, you know, it, it, don't have too much of yourself in your mix. Be aware of every other sound on the platform. You know, I, I heard it taught at a big conference in America by a drummer. You know, I have my in-ear mix and I just have myself, the click, and a little bit of the leader. And that is the wrong approach to monitor mixing, in my opinion. That's why that drummer plays too much. Yeah. That's why he's not locked with the bass player. That's you got to be aware. I'm a small part of something way bigger than myself. And those of us on the platform, we've got to realize this: the sound engineer is the only objective ears in the room. If we're on the platform, we have no idea what it really sounds like. So we've got to have that person know that we totally appreciate their role and highly value their role. You know, sometimes people, and sometimes people think of the most important single person to make this whole thing we're doing with music in a church gathering successful is, is to do with the, the person we call the worship leader or the drummer or even the sound engineer. But you know, no, it's not. It's the projectionist. It's the lyric projectionist. They're the one that had the most influence on the success or failure of everything we're trying to do. So we've got to know that on the platform. And got to make sure they know they're highly valued part of the team. I love it. I love it. Tim, do you have some thoughts there? Yeah, I think uh, sound check is 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 super nuanced. Uh, depend upon depending upon your system uh, in your church. Do you have a volunteer audio, you know, front of house guy? Do you have a paid front of house guy? Do you have a music director? Do you have a worship leader? Do you have a volunteer team? How do, how do their in-ears work? All that kind of good stuff. So uh, I saw a quote the other day. I thought that was really good. Um, where there is consistency, there is a system. And I think one of the important things that we have to remember is as worship leaders, it is our job to create a system that produces consistency for our congregation. People want to walk into something uh, that they know what to expect, that they know what they're supposed to do. And uh, one of the ways we start with consistency is have a system that allows our team uh, to function in the best way possible uh, in, in what they have. So if our audio technician, whether in front of house guy, whether he's paid volunteer, whatever, we need to sit with him and create a system that works for him. And then, sit with our team and say, this is how the system is going to work. We have to take the leadership role. So uh, those are, those are some of the things I think, I think Grant said a lot there that was really, that was really good. But if you want consistency, uh, you've got to create a system. And as worship leaders for our teams, we have to lead those. 
I love that you want to sit and go, what's what's going to, rather than just like making it up on the flight, like what's going to work for you? What's going to make the most sense for you? So when, when it comes to it, this is something that you have spoken yeah. into. I think, um, you know, Grant, Grant said it, uh, we're, we're all trying to do the same thing. One of the, one of the things we do on our, on our worship team is we might have different names for teams. We have our production team, we have our platform team, but I am very insistent on calling everyone a worship leader. You know, to Grant's point, the most important worship leader in the room may very well be the person running the lyric slides. If they stop running the lyric slides, people stop singing. Uh, but they're a worship leader. The person that's that's running the camera, they're a worship leader. The person that's running audio, they're a worship leader. And so, um, you know, not to make this scriptural or anything, but uh, there's this really there's this really cool moment uh, for the Israelites. You get to you get to first of all, you get to number. Sorry, I'm going to go a little wonky here. You get past the book of Leviticus where God has established them as a nation and He gives them all the rules that they're supposed to follow, and then you get into uh, the book of Numbers where God says, "Okay, we need to see who's here." Right. And the interesting thing about the book of Numbers is it starts off with the idea that the Israelites have been in the wilderness now for two years. And uh, so he says, let's take a census of everybody. And he starts to establish the temple and the tabernacle and where that's supposed to be, where everybody's supposed to be in relationship to that. And then he looks at Aaron and he says, okay, I need you and your sons to be priests. One of your sons is dead. The other ones haven't produced any sons. So there's not enough of you to be able to facilitate the worship of the Lord in the tabernacle. So I want you to go and I want you to grab the Levitical tribe, the Levites, and you're going to take a census of them and you're going to set them apart for some specific purposes. And he divides them into groups. To one group, he gives the purpose of taking care of all the things in the Holy of Holies, the wash basin, the utensils, the altar, all of those things. Uh, to another group, their job is to take care of the curtains. And if you read through Leviticus, you see how ornate these curtains are. They have specific color loops and gold rings and all this kind of stuff. Very, very beautiful pieces of art. And to the last group, he gives the purpose of taking care of the pulse. And I always have this, like, you know, I imagine these things in my mind, you know, these guys, all the Levitical tribes sitting around with their family at their family dinner, you know, and, uh, and what did you, what job did you get? Oh man, I get to take care of the, the utensils. I get to make sure they're clean and the basin is so cool. You know how this works. And then, you know, the next, the next family starts to talk like, Oh yeah, we get to take care of the curtains. Have you seen how beautiful they are and all the ornate, you know, uh, uh weaves and the, in the, the gold brass rings. What did you get? I get to take care of the poles. You know, um, and, and I think I think it's, you know, we can often look at worship teams this way that the people on the platform or the pastor or the main worship leader, they have the they have the biggest job, the best job. And that our production team, they're just the team that takes care of the polls. But the truth is, is the worship in the tabernacle does not happen without the people that set up the polls. Mm. And they are just as important as the people that take care of the inside of the Holy of Holies where the spirit of the Lord resides. So I think the important part of us is to realize is that as the new priests, you know, we don't intercede for people, but we still are, um, uh, we are still established and called by God to facilitate the worship of the congregation of the church, that every piece matters. And if the poll taker carers don't do their job, then the people on the platform can't do their job. And so um, I'm, I just try to be really Really, really intentional about making sure everybody on our team understands you're a worship leader. And if everybody does their job, this is the whole essence of Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The gift in that, that God gives us is specifically intended to work together as one whole body, as one whole unit. And so anyway, a little wonky there, but uh, but that's that's kind of the idea. I love it. I love it. I love it. Amber, what are you thinking? Yes, I agree. Um, that is the number one thing we do is we... Uh, call our production team, the worship team, we're all one team. Um, and they're all part of 
stewarding the atmosphere and preparing that place for people to experience the presence of God in the best way possible. And uh, one of the most important things we do is before we even have sound check and rehearsal, uh, we're having this collaboration with our production team way in advance as far as how we train and coach our teams. So we invite the production team into the teaching with us because it's easy as like worship team uh, leadership, we can say, well, we know everything about worship leading. And so we're going to lead the coaching part and teaching people, you know, new people who want to be on the team, how to lead worship, how to build their mix and do all that. And we did that for many years and then realized, wait a minute, we don't, there are aspects that we don't know about that the production team does and we need to be collaborating together. So we mm-hmm. invited them into the conversation, into the teaching, and they were able to teach some of our new people coming onto the team about mixes and about the roles of different people and, and what the computer graphics person does and, and what they need from vocalists as far as singing into their mics and not pulling away and mic technique and some really incredible things that we weren't necessarily thinking of because we weren't on that side of it. And so this has been something we do regularly as we collaborate together. We invite each other in um, to what we're doing, to processes, um, so that we understand what it is they do and they understand what we do. We understand their deadlines. We understand their processes. We understand uh, the things that they need in order to uh, operate in excellence with a spirit of excellence. And we do, we just try to walk in their shoes. And so yeah. we train, we do cross training. We go in and learn like, what is it you do? Because even here's an example that happened this, this past weekend. Um, communication is really important to us. We believe that it communicates care to each other. So we communicate openly all week long leading up to the, the weekend services and during the, the weekend, we were needing the lyrics a little earlier um, because we were kind of missing. They were kind of coming right on right on beat and we needed them a little earlier. So our music director just let the, the computer graphics girl know, hey, can you feed us those lyrics a little earlier? And she's like, yes, I, I, can you help me with that, though, because the guide is calling it late. And it was the way the multitracks was. Oh, yeah. It was calling it right right on instead of a little earlier and she uses that to kind of also help her flip and so just kind of knowing like that oh she, instead of just being frustrated like we need the lyrics early we're understanding she's got some factors and dynamics that are you know hindering her and so we work together we talk about it and so i just think knowing each other's role and and what they need and that it's not just so black and white. Um, it, it gives us grace and compassion for each other. Have you ever sat in their role? Like as like sit, like, as I was, I always love to kind of experience what they're experiencing. And on a Sunday morning, go run lyrics. That might be the most stressful job in the entire church. As on a, and no, yes. no matter what the case is, like no matter what you do on Sunday morning, the person who runs lyrics, I just I've done I've done it a few times, and it's so I did. Not that like the anxiety inducing, but you're like, man, if I, if I get it wrong, you know, as you're pushing the button, hoping, especially with the worship leader, like I hop around a little bit sometimes and it's not necessarily the order that I, that I put on the, (laughs) you know, the thing. 
I do extra choruses and they're always on. And you go after the service, you go, Oh my gosh, you guys got those slides. Right. And the person's always like, you're welcome. Like it's, you could tell they're like glassed over. Like, I hate you, you know, cause you made my day a little <laughs> yeah. more stressful, but like, man, those, that person who sits there, sit there. So if you've never done it, if you're listening and you're like, I've never done this before, just take a Sunday and volunteer to sit at the set of that booth. You, you will have a very different relationship with the person running the lyrics and you will give them whatever they need as, as, yes. as, as, that, as that, in that, in that space. Absolutely. Mm. And I think actually our team, our team uses Chiron or something called like that, that they actually type in a code. Not just like hitting a button. They have to type in a code. Oh, and we didn't like realize that. Yeah. And so one wrong number and you get the lyrics to a different song. So that made us really appreciate their role. Like, wow, you're having to type in. It's I think it's like a five digit number. Oh, geez. So it's just walking in their shoes. Yes. Seeing it from the other side really gives you an appreciation. And you go, I'm going to do one more chorus. You don't realize what doing one more chorus actually means to somebody when it wasn't necessarily exactly. set up right. But Grant, what are you thinking? Exactly. Yeah, I love what Amber's saying. Well, I love what everyone's saying here. But, uh, you know, whatever we can do to to reduce the the divide, the the ravine, the moat between technicians and musicians is so important to do. Anything we can be doing, like calling us all the same, you know, the same team, as simple as that. We've got to be doing those things. And I'm I'm actually really amazed by how often I visit a church and the singers and instrumentalists after rehearsal or before rehearsal or sometime before the service, they get together to pray and the technicians are all still sitting there in their position. And it's like, mm-hmm. why don't we all go to the tech booth and mm-hmm. pray with them? You know, because because it's actually even cooler, I think, to do that than to say, um, you can join us on the platform or in our green room if you want. Why don't we go to them? And I've seen some faces just go, what are they doing here? <laughs> Get back on stage. Oh, <laughs> they want to oh, they want to pray with us. And yeah. just that act can be really, really helpful. That said, you know, I loved what Amber said about, you know, speaking speaking to the lyric projectionist about trying to get lyrics. Look, there's communication from platform or technicians to this to the to the uh, singers instrumentalists is so important. That said, I do think there needs to be a a designated communication person. You know, I think about yes. um, some, I, I used to uh, change oil in my own car <laughs> and I'd get my two little boys to help me with that. And we would always use a funnel to get the oil in the car, right? All three, m- me and my two little sons, they helped me pour, but we had to have a funnel. Otherwise we're going to get a huge mess, right? Right. So, so we yeah. need to like what what one thing that drives especially audio technicians wild is like anyone on the platform three people at the same time saying hey can you change this where's that buzz coming from at the same yeah. time no the team need to know if you've got a change you need you have to communicate to the musical director and the musical director will communicate with the with the sound yeah. engineer yes um, and that point yes. of contact and having that protocol established is just so important be the funnel Otherwise we get be the funnel yeah, be a- the funnel that's a thing that that's a, yeah, be the funnel. I love that. Yeah. But I always love, so like even from the platform over mic in my role of musical director, you know, we're, we're getting to the end of uh, our sound check. Maybe we're starting, we're about to start rehearsing, but I will always finish with using the sound engineer's name. Excuse me, Stephanie, sound on sound. Is there anything we can change to make it better? Because we can't tell up here. What, what do we need to do? 
like and that that has a lot of sound engineers surprised too because there is unfortunately an yes. us and them and we've we've got a, yes. most sound engineers most sound engineers even if they're paid they're like they're usually incredibly humble people who will not volunteer their their point of view on things well i wish that girl was using her mic better but i'll just let it go it's like no you've got it you've got to make sure they know that we honor them and respect them and know that their objective is are so essential for us to do, do a good job here. Yeah. So open that pathway for them. Yeah. Please tell us some things to change. If we can do that, we will. Yeah. I love it. Grant, you segued me so well to the next question. Um, um, because tech teams tend to be the first in and last out. They're always the like getting in, setting up. They're always the we're packing up and going home. They're staying behind to help you know, kind of put the, maybe put the stage back wherever it needs to go before, before the next thing that's at, at the, at the church or the week. How can we as leaders ensure our teams, one being loved on and two being fed spiritually, because being the first in and the last out, like they're, um, I don't know if you guys are like me. I, I have, I, it took me a long time to realize how, how I could just attend church, attend church and not be consumed by the, by, by, by the details. I think tech teams have it a little bit worse because they're trained to hear and look and see and, you know, anticipate problems. And um, so how do we make sure one, they're loved on two, they're fed spiritually. Yeah. Tim, what are you thinking? Um, I'm going to speak directly to the worship leader right now. You have to spend time with your tech people. You have to, and it's really easy. I think for us as vocalists, band members to hang out with our band, to hang out with our, you know, platform vocalists, uh, all, all of those things. Um, you, you've got to make it a point to prepare when it's a little bit what Amber said, make sure you're spending time and not just time, um, talking over details of services and critiquing or bringing, you know, bringing value or evaluating the, uh, the service, the services, whether, you know, before or after, but just taking them to lunch. How's your spirit? How's your soul? Most conflict happens outside of relationship. When you don't see somebody, you don't have a relationship with them. It's easy to objectify them. That person always uses their mic wrong. That person always does this, or that sound guy never turns me up, right? You, you can say those things because you're objectifying them. You're able to turn them into something outside of a relationship. But when you sit across from them at a table, you know, uh, and you're having lunch, you're asking them how their family's doing, how their, how their kids are, how How's your spirit? How's your soul? Those types of things. Um, you begin to build a relationship with them and respect is born out of those places. So if as a worship leader, you want to have that kind of respect that flows from the stage to the tech booth, it's going to start with you sitting down with your, your production teams, asking them how they're doing, building a relationship with them, and then leading the way in that respect of saying, hey, how's, how are things? And then when you talk to them, respect them. I know I don't know as much as you know my, my front of house guy, my media director's name is Jacob, literally one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. And I just defer to him, hey, Jacob, we're having an issue up here. Can you help me? You know, and, uh, and coming from a position of respect and giving him authority really goes a long way. And that usually happens inside of a relationship. One of the things uh, we had David Faltzgraf from Sunday Sounds on earlier this month. One of the things that he said to that point was uh, learning the terminology that they use, so mm. that you're not just like it sounds boomy, and I need it to not sound boom like <laughs> boom boom. Like it sounds a lot, lot deeper sounds. Like what does that mean? So when you're our dialoguing, you're like you they they know like wow you care about what I'm doing, you care about what I'm learning about, and um, 
But to that, it's so know, true. People people describe what they're hearing with the language they have, right? Correct. So if you're in a smaller church and somebody doesn't like the drums, all they're going to say is the drums are loud. Well, it may not be the drums. It may be just that that you know that symbol, you know, or that the way that drummer's playing. And so to be able to have that language, to be able to kind of narrow that down to actually here's the, it's a little bit like taking your car to the shop and saying, I don't know, it's just making this noise, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know. <laughs> uh, but when you can talk to the technician and say, well, here's the type of noises I'm hearing, and here's what I'm doing. And you have a little bit more of a language that they understand. It definitely goes a long way to your point. Yeah, I love it. Um, and mm. that's, uh, yeah, respect is just, it, once, they, once they know you care, once they, that's a thing, like it's going to, that's going to go, that's going to go a long ways. You know, I was just going to say, yeah, actually it was just last Tuesday night, I did a workshop for a bunch of audio engineers and I'm not, I'm not an engineer. I like to think that what I can mainly teach about is, is how to deliver to the sound engineer the right ingredients and how to communicate about those ingredients, but actually getting into the desk and you know finding the EQ for each individual, you know what, how to adjust a compressor—that's not me. So I always do those workshops with a pro engineer alongside me, uh, and we meet in the middle. And that meeting in the middle is really important. But one little metaphor that I love using with sound engineers in a church setting is saying, "Look, those people on the platform, the singers and the instrumentalists—it's their job to deliver to you ingredients. Like, and you're a chef." You've got to bring those ingredients together and and make a meal that the congregation wants to eat. Um, and uh, but I would say to you guys, no good chef keeps getting bad ingredients every week and keeps cooking and going. Well, it's it's my suppliers, it's their fault. You know, I got I get bad potatoes every time. And so, no, you've got to make sure you if you're going to be a better and sound engineer, you have to be prepared to go to the musical director and say. I really can't find the melody. I'm trying to mix this song so the congregation can sing it, and I'm hearing four different singers interpreting the melody differently, and it's actually not matching the lyrics on the screen, I've noticed. So how, how do we work together to get better ingredients? Um, yeah, I'm just so curious, that, who's, the, who's the potato on stage? I was wondering which, <laughs> which, which person has the... The potato like, is obviously the bass player. Oh, right. Okay. Sorry. I just yeah, to make sure. That's right. Meat and yeah. potatoes. That's right. Yeah. He's <laughs> not a stud. He's a spud. <laughs> He's a spud. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Little, little word pictures, little word pictures like that, I think can really, really help us. You know, yes. so if, if, if the band on the platform is bake, you know, delivering five bags of flour every Sunday, you can't bake a meal with that. You've got to have separation. You've got to have good, fresh, good, you know, clean ingredients. It doesn't have to be the, you don't have to ask our team to be the, the most slamming pro touring recording artist in the world, but you need good ingredients delivered to your, to your kitchen so you can bake a cake. Next time I'm on stage with the band, I'm going to say, Grant said not be fi- not to be five bags of flour. And that's going to yeah. be, I love it. That's what, <laughs> on, that's, at the start of my rehearsal workshops, that's what I often hear, I'm sorry to tell you, in my in my ears. And it's like, yes. where is the, where is the distinct, I can't hear where the beat is. I can't hear a good locked drum and bass. I can't hear the melody. Yep. These harmonies are uh, haphazard and random, and I hear acoustic guitar, electric guitar, and two keyboards fighting for the same gap in our sound, which is where we want the voices to be. You know, so this idea of like distinct, clean ingredients helps. I love it, Amber. What are you thinking about kind of helping the uh, the tech teams? Um, building relationships is is huge, and we are very intentional with that. I and I. I think it has to be a team effort as well. The, the team can't be like, well, that's the worship pastor's responsibility to build a bridge and a collaboration with the, the tech team. No, 
our whole team makes sure that they're intentional to get to know them, the names of their kids, what's their story, what are they going through? So we know about each other and and their lives. Yeah. Favorite coffee. What are they going through? (laughs) And, um, we do life together. So like we just had a Friendsgiving and it was production and worship together. Mm-hmm. And I know it's easy sometimes like to have, you know, your worship Christmas party and then they'll have a technical arts Christmas party or even at, you know, at our church, we have a green room for worship and then we have a space for the technical arts department. But there are times when they need to talk about things that are you know, pertinent just to them and have their space. But what we do is we're intentional to say, we're all going to gather together. So they come into our green room and sit and eat with us. We, we eat together. We pray together on the platform before rehearsal. We do everything together. And I love that. I think it's so important um, that we just, we do life together. We, we, they're not just serving us, you know, to make us sound good or, uh, you know, just providing a service that there are people back there in the booth that have homes and lives and families and they're going through things. And so we make sure that we find out when we see a new face, I go to my technical arts director and I'm like, who's the new person? What's her name? And then we welcome them and we set them in as a team together. We set in new people, whether that's worship team or technical team, if they're a new volunteer, they're running a camera, they're 15 years old, it doesn't matter. We bring them into the center and as a whole team, we pray over them and set them in as a gift, as a part of the family. And we're just very intentional and and, and just appreciating them. Little things, one time our technical arts team stayed extra long to help us out. And um, I just went and ordered Tiff's treats and had it delivered to the, the the team. And they were so appreciative, just that little gesture of thinking about them yep. because they do stay longer. They come earlier than everybody else and they stay longer. And just to, to be mindful and th- don't th- just think of yourself and your own team, but think of yourselves as a team together and, and what can you do to appreciate them? Oh, love it. I love it. It's you guys, I love these conversations because I'm, you guys have so much life that you're pouring into, pouring into just these all of the, all of the conversations that we've had, the conversations we're going to have, and uh, worship leaders and teams are benef- are benefiting from it. Um, and so I just I love it. I love it. This is so good. Um, as we kind of wrap up today, uh, I want to close this off with what do I do? The food question. The food question, food question. comes, it comes every time. Go. It's not going to happen. It's not. It's not. It's never not going to happen. Um, there's always a food question. And so, you know, this, we're winding up the year, winding the year down that we're, we're entering the holiday season. Um, what, what's something that says holiday to you? Like whether I know, I know not everybody celebrates the same holidays, but what is a dish or a, a meal or, uh, something that you're like, when I eat that, it is definitely the holiday season. Um, I will, I will kick us off. Um, I'm, I'm, I, some people gag when I say this, I had, this happened a few months ago on our podcast. There was some gagging, but, um, (laughs) I love eggnog. I love eggnog. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. (laughs) When the eggnog comes out, you're like, it is, it is the holiday. It is not something you should drink before you sing, but it's still, 
It is a great, it's a great, it's just a great <laughs> drink. Anyway, but yeah, there's too too much of that going on. But uh, yeah, what about Tim? What do you? What about you? What is something that's like? It is the holiday season when I see this or when I eat this. My my family and my wife uh, love to cook and bake, and so usually around the holidays, all of the annual treats come out, like you know. Um, cookies and you know there's always like special icing on those there's um puppy chow you know there's uh, i mean all all sorts of fun stuff like that so usually it's not a thing it's just that all the things kind of come out you know throughout throughout the season and so um i'm a huge fan of no bake cookies so usually there's a big you know basket of those somewhere um my wife makes these uh she got this recipe from my mom she makes these they're called black bottom cupcakes they're like a cupcake with like cream filling and chocolate chips they're amazing so so usually it's like a a plethora of of treats that that kind of come out that make me think okay it's holiday season it's the holiday time it's the holiday time what about you amber i would say sweet potato casserole with the marshmallows on top Mm. it's definitely something i only eat at like thanksgiving and christmas and i have an incredible recipe that i found that has uh brown sugar and maple syrup and cinnamon and pecans in it and it's delicious. And so there's nothing that says holiday more than that layer of marshmallow that's been broiled, you know, the little bit of the burnt on top, the brown, crunchy, crusty part. And then you've got the the gooey marshmallow underneath. I'm getting hungry just as but I talk about it. Is, is it hey, pink I'm a- and white marshmallows or just white? Oh, that stuff's awesome too, though. Just the white marshmallow. It's just the, it- the little... The little no no pink just white no little pink. marshmallows and okay. yeah no pink. Hey, if it's okay, I'm gonna be in Dallas here in a couple of weeks. I'm gonna swing by and pick just some for of an that. order. Just, <laughs> just put the order in now. <laughs> oh, you guys are yeah. And, yeah, on yeah, over. What about you, Grant? What about you? Well, uh, well, I was just gonna say that does sound amazing, Amber. But actually, what what do you call that? Like sweet potato pie pie? What sweet do you potato call it? Casserole. 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 Sweet See, potato casserole. Nothing on earth says anything. Nothing on earth says culture shock for me more than that casserole. <laughs> it it yeah. just happens in the Midwest, man. Like it's no, a I, thing. <laughs> no, I was I was with a bank called the Paul Common Trio, and we relocated to the United States in early two thousand two, a long time ago. And we landed and got picked up by a tour bus, and we were opening for third day on that on their tour, and. Catering the first night was some of that, but it had pink and white marshmallows on top of it. And my wonderful wife, who we'd been married for about 15 minutes, she looked at that and she's a nutritional scientist and she just went, what is this? (laughs) And we were in culture shock. Anyway, yeah, 17 years later, yeah, it's it's yummy. It's yummy. Um, For me (laughs) – (laughs) <laughs> it, but it's stuff like that where like people from my part of the world australia and new zealand we look at that and go man golly <laughs> that's weird anyway <laughs> just saying it is yummy uh if i had to name one thing that says uh around the the christmas time for me actually a thing called spanakopita excuse me spanakopita sounds like i sneezed right no it's a great it's a Greek dish which is made with spinach and baked in sort of phyllo pastry. And my mother-in-law bakes it every Christmas. And even for the Christmases I spend in New Zealand as a visitor, um, 
it just sort of started lining up in my head because like, Christmas in in New Zealand, where I live now, is hot. It's it's summer. Yeah, and this uh, it's just amazing. You could you should check it out. It's it's like a spinach puff pastry pie, but it's really amazing. That does not sound terrible. Mm. But I wouldn't I wouldn't have gotten that from the title. Spin spinacop spinacopita. Yeah. What did you say? Spinacopita. Yeah, it's a Greek word, I guess. I'm in. I'd... Yeah, it's yummy. And you can like, have it hot, you can have it cold, and it lasts for the rest of the week. You know, you. The other thing I just realized, I just remember that my family always makes is pretzel jello salad. You guys have this mm. where you, you put pretzels in jello, which that sounds terrible, and but it's really good. And then cover it with cool whip. It's just, it's the holidays. It's that's what it, yeah. Grants are like, what does that even mean? Don't even, don't, don't, don't ask questions. Oh. We like to mix things, casserole, the casserole world. But hey, yeah. hey guys, thanks for hanging out today. Yeah. This is, this is awesome. And uh, uh, just the, like I said, with the talking about tech teams and worship teams and um, the, like the way people think is just going to be different. And so um, it's, it's important to continue to foster those relationships. And one thing I like to remind people is that you hear this, what we talk about. It's you can't just go back and immediately implement it and expect change. These things are long. We're talking long-term game, right. long-term relationships, long-term, yeah. long-term outcomes. There are things we talk about on the podcast that you can go back and they are quick changes to help kind of move things along. But relationship and dialogue is not something that will be fixed automatically if that's something that is going wrong. So just remember, these things are talking long-term. And um, this is a long-term thing, and we're all in this together. So you guys are awesome. And uh, this is officially the end of episode 99. Uh, come on back. Mm. Episode 100. Mm. 100 is next. Wow. And so yes, sir. I cannot believe that. And so we are we are going into triple digits uh, coming after this episode. And so uh, I'm, you guys aren't going to want to – you're going you're gonna to want to stick around um, and uh, and check that out once it's out or if it's out, depending on when you listen to this. So um, thanks guys for hanging out and we will see everybody next week.